Welcome to Let's Talk Ball. I'm Thad Brown along with Carl Jones. Every single week we break down the X's and the O's from every Bills game. This is the post-Christmas edition, Bills and the Chargers. And uh, Carl, um, first of all, good Christmas? You have a good holiday? Good some time a- off? Ate some good food. And you know what? That's all I can really ask for this time of year. I'll FaceTime my family back in Cleveland. They're all good. So all good in that regard. What about you? You uh, were here holding down the ship for us, so me and AJ could spend some time with our more local families. So we appreciate, yeah, ate my face off. I mean, just absolutely crushed it, um, feeling it today. But it was well worth every single minute. That's what the New Year's for, though. No, I'm going to eat more on New Year's. I'm not going to even stop. Okay, I hear you. All right, let's talk about Bills and Chargers here. Um, I actually want to start this discussion with the very end of the game because the Bills won, and it was an escape, and Bills fans probably felt like, wow, got away with that one. And I think it was even closer than how it looked initially. Number one, that home run throwback play, the, the multilateral play that the Chargers had at the end, they ran something and had it set up real well to where Christian Benford had to make a hell of a play to shut it down because when, that, when Easton Stick catches the second lateral and throws it across to whoever the receiver was, at that moment, the Bills have two or three defenders on that side of the field, side being like the Chargers sideline. And the Chargers have their full offensive line ready to block. And Benford actually works his way through a block to force that receiver to turn back. Carl, if he gets ahead of steam and Benford's out of the play, give, give me your, um, you play defense, you know what happens in that kind of situation more or less. Percentage of chances he scores if Benford doesn't make that play. Percentage he scores, I'll give him a 50-50 shot only I, because he's a tight end, so I don't know how much giddy up he really has. Mm-hmm. But that play- 82 is a tight end? I mean, I don't think I saw him uh, line up too often. If he was, he didn't have, he didn't put it like this. If he was a, if he was a receiver, I didn't like his moves after the fact. Gotcha. I'll tell you that. That's fair. But um, that was a, just a great play because I know offenses spend so much time on those type of plays, especially on the walkthrough days, right, where you go through all the situational stuff, Hail Mary situations, toss back, throwback plays. And the fact that the, Christian Benford, I'm not going to give the whole defense credit, Christian Benford and a couple other guys have pursuit from the inside where Cam Lewis, I think it was Cam one, Lewis, yeah. if they didn't, if they weren't locked in, and I want to give Sean McDermott credit also for, I believe, calling a timeout the play prior to kind of get them, get them situated, getting all the DBs on the field, getting some speed out there to get ready for all the, the lateral type of stuff. So huge shout out to 47 because if he doesn't make that play, this conversation uh, on Wednesday is a lot more toxic. Yeah, uh, Alex Erickson, I think, is at the 82 was the receiver had the ball okay. on, the, on the cross. I mean, he's not, you know, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> you know, but it, it wasn't a tight end, I don't think. Okay. Regardless, regardless. I think 50-50 is about right. You know, that Benford makes a potentially game-saving play there. Um, you know, and on another two weeks in a row here, or two out of three weeks, where a lateral play nearly got the Bills beat. Separate of that, two other plays on the Bills go-ahead field goal drive where a little bit fortunate, more so on one than the other. The throw to Khalil Shakir, and I love that Josh Allen talked about this on Wednesday to kind of explain. It's a scissors route. So you got two receivers right, Shakir on the inside, he runs around the outside receiver, and they're basically both doing verticals, but just swapping. And what that does is because the Chargers were in man, it forces the two defenders to also switch, and they run into each other. But what Josh Allen said was is that Shakir being on the inside, once Josh Allen saw his inside defender go high or go deep and go behind his teammate to get to Shakir, Allen knew it was good because they were going to have Shakir stop and throw underneath. Now, if they don't run into each other, there's certainly a better chance the Chargers defend that, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, uh, to see Josh kind of break down the route and let you know what he's thinking and why it worked out so well. Because Josh makes that throw 
basically running for his life with his hair on fire with three guys chasing him because the Chargers ran an amazing blitz to put pressure on. No feet on the ground either. I mean, he really yeah. put his all into that one. And I think that play for Bills fans is kind of eerily reminiscent to the Gabe Davis non uh, incompletion against the Eagles early on in the year. Same type of concept where the teams, where the DBs are kind of um, passing off the routes. The Eagles pass it off, and it, the Bills, for whatever they reason, switched it, yeah. they switched it, and they weren't able to be on the same page. The Chargers didn't switch it off. And because of that, Khalil Shakir was scot-free open, and Josh Allen made them play. The other one, a few plays earlier, before the second down throw, before the third down throw to Stephon Diggs that really got the Bills in the field goal range. And I'll let you break this one down. The Bills were really lucky to not throw what would have been an easy interception on that play. Yeah, so the top of the, at the top of the screen, the cornerback, I forget his number, I think 43, I think Davis is his name, if I'm not mistaken. He, um, his route went underneath. So by that point, you zone off and you just get the deepest threat. So in other words, it's a corner, corner to the left side of the, off, the offense's left side, and he's got no one in his zone. No one in his zone, and because of that, you just get depth and just find some work, right? Well, he sees Stephon Diggs flash and flash color flash in front of him with a deep over route and turns his back to the offense. Now, having been in that position before, that's just a panic type of vibe because if he turns around, Josh Allen gave him a Christmas gift. Merry Christmas, my boy. Here's an interception heading into uh, to the Christmas break. So Bills are really, really fortunate that he didn't turn around because Josh never saw him clearly like at no point. I don't know if he thought it was man coverage and assumed that he was going to follow the route underneath. I think he thought it was cover two maybe and didn't have anything going on that side. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, he never saw him because if he did, he, he never throws that ball. Bill's really, really fortunate that he didn't pick that off. So two spots there, three spots maybe, but really two where the Bills were, were lucky to pull that game out with a win. One, a really good play by Christian Benford and, and a, a miss by Josh Allen. And let's segue into our discussion about the offense because Josh Allen really did not have a good game in, in many ways. It wasn't just that he missed throws. You know, he was I mean, he missed throws that he was set on. He missed red plays. He didn't see open throws. Obviously, the, the throw on the run to Gabe Davis for the first touchdown is just ridiculous. You know, an on-the-run throw, 50 yards downfield, and he dots it. But outside of that, you, you know, the third down throw to Stephon Diggs you've talked about is a really good one as well. But he had more mistakes than you would like to see from anybody's quarterback, especially, you know, a Josh Allen quarterback where in general, and obviously the run game's been better lately, this Bills team needs to rely on him to be good. And he wasn't, he wasn't really that good in this game. No, the passing game in general just hasn't been great, but speaking on the mistakes from that game from Josh Allen, the throw across his body to Stephon Diggs 50 yards down the field. As dumb as it gets. Yeah, I mean, just set your feet. Right. I mean, Stephon Diggs has an angle where that's 80-yard touchdown. So a little bit of armor arrogance there it happens, but you just want to set your feet, my man, because Stephon Diggs is outrunning uh, Gilman 10 times out of 10. Just wasn't clicking. It's been like that for the past couple weeks. We've talked about this off-air a little bit where, you, okay, you know what, you can it kind of excuse the passing game not being at 100% against the Chiefs. They have a really good secondary, two all-pro uh, cornerbacks. I get it. Last week against the Cowboys, I mean, you ran the ball for almost 300-some-odd yards. I, I understand why Josh Allen wasn't cooking. But what's the excuse against a Chargers team that's in the bottom five in pass defense? I'm, I'm not going to say, like, oh, my gosh, ring the alarm, like, this is, this is an epidemic or something, but I do, want, I do wonder – What's the issue here? Can they correct it going into the postseason? Because this team is going to go as far as 17 can take them. I know the running game is, is cute and it's, they need it, but this team is going to go as far as 17 takes them, point blank period. Maybe as an extension of that, 17 and 14. You know, let's, I mean, Stephon Diggs, we talked about this a few days ago, his snaps have been way down. You know, 80% um, in the Eagles game. I'm doing the math right. That's back three games? Yeah. Yeah. So then it was, no, no, no. 
70% against the 80% against the Chiefs. Chiefs, okay. Okay. Then it was 46% against the Cowboys, which is really low, but as we pointed out, they ran it and they had the starters out in the fourth quarter. And then this past game, only 60% of snaps. Most of the year, Diggs sits in the 85 to 90% uh, realm. So Sean McDermott said on Wednesday, there's no injury, no issue. I asked him, is there anything else why that he hasn't played a lot? Nope, just ebb and flow of the game. So I don't know if they feel like the offense, if they have other things they want to work on or have been succeeding with, but Stephon Diggs has been out of games and not, and even when he's in the games, he's not producing. He hasn't had a 100-yard game since the, since the Giants game. It's one thing if Josh Allen is making mistakes, but if you take away that security blanket that 14 offers, you, you might be seeing here where the passing offense is going because they're just, is, we talked about not having a second thing to depend on. Right now, Josh doesn't really have a first thing to depend on, at least not consistently through a game. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about both sides of my mouth. They do need a running game, and it is yeah. encouraging mm -hmm. that James Cook and the secondary backs are providing value from that position. However, since Joe Brady has taken over, Josh Allen is averaging 233, 223 passing yards a game, which is well below his season average. Are they trying to figure things out and trying to figure out a perfect marriage between the passing game and running game? Obviously, that number is severely hampered by the Cowboys, Cowboys. game, mm -hmm. so I get all of that. But the passing game in general just hasn't been clicking on all cylinders. Some of that obviously is the opponent. They're going up against the Jets, the Chiefs, two really, really darn good passing defenses. Having said that, you're going to face good defenses in the playoffs, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Chiefs again if you see them. So this isn't just like, oh, we, if we get to the postseason, we'll be fine. they got to rectify that. Once again, I don't think it's some alarming issue because I think usually when you have 17, you lean on the fact that he's really darn good. He'll figure it out. But this is – a trend at this point, I would say. Yeah, I mean, under Joe Brady, passing yards for Josh Allen, 275 against the Jets, 339 against the Eagles with overtime to help out, but whatever, great game. But the last three, 233, 94, 237. So obviously, yeah, the Cowboys game is going to sag all kinds of averages, but the other two games are not anything you would expect or what will be needed from this offense going forward. All right, beyond that, um, when it comes to the run game, one thing that kind of stuck out to me is they had a drive at the end of the first half, which was almost exclusively runs, not totally, but almost. And they did a lot of the stuff they'd normally been doing, lead stuff, pull stuff, you know, Deion Dawkins leading through uh, B gaps and C gaps and ran it I, I, on the field. I thought, wow, here are the Bills getting the run game going. They're just going to dominate this in the second half. And they did not. And I thought largely they went away from it. They ran more two tight end sets, um, you know, a little more zone run like you talked about. And although that run game in the second half wasn't terribly unsuccessful, they didn't stay with it, and it wasn't nearly as good as what the first half stuff was. I, I wonder, and once again, I don't want to speak for Joe Brady here, maybe they were kind of thrown off by some of the looks that the Chargers defense was getting them, and mm -hmm. they're not really used to that Chargers defense because it's a new defensive staff and everything. Right. Yeah, first week with a new staff, yeah, for sure. But having said that, like you said, though, they were effective with the, uh, with the variety run game going up against that same staff. So mm -hmm. I don't know why the switch, I don't know why the chain, maybe that was an explanation for it. But that was kind of weird considering like, hey, like all the Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, Mitch Morris on the perimeter type of stuff. Where is that this week? Mm -hmm. It wasn't evident in that second half. I thought the offensive line in general had a pretty good game. Um, I, Khalil Mack was really much not really not much of a factor. I thought this was Spencer Brown's best game of the year. And this is coming off a Cowboys game where the second half was really, really good for him. So 79's had a couple of nice games um, in a row here. And, you know, even though we've kind of been a little bit down on Joe Brady and how the offense has operated, there were still things in this game that I really liked. Um, the first play to open up the final drive, the fake pitch to get Dawson Knox over the middle, that's kind of a variation on the four strong, which was send four receivers out to one side of the field and sag a tight end back inside after you're forcing all that eye candy to get defenses chasing the outside. 
it was a variation on that. And, and the, when the Bills can keep going back to, or when I see a coordinator that is employing things we know work and doing it with different window dressing, different methods, then that's the guy that I think is really dialed in. Um, beyond that, you know, in terms of Joe Brady, anything else you're seeing where you like what you get, saw out of the offensive coordinator in this particular game? Uh, not, nothing off the top of my head. I do want to say I don't think he's been bad. I think he's actually been good. It's yeah. just that the passing game hasn't been crisp for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not blaming him for that. They haven't been clicking as, as well as you would like, like this time of year. But from this game, I can't really think of nothing off the top of my head. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. One thing that you liked a lot was the way Sean McDermott kind of managed this game against the quarterback in Easton Stick that hasn't started a lot of games. He's also not a kid, though. He's 28 years old. <laughs> but, um, you know, McDermott went about it in a bit different way than you would normally expect from his defenses. Yeah, you know how sometimes when you go up against a quarterback who you think is inexperienced or less than, you say, you know what, make them beat me, right? Well, Sean McDermott said, you know what, I dare you to beat me, kid. I'm going to send pressure at you, more pressure at you, do some creative looks on the back end, and I dare you to make the, pl the right play, play after play. Kind of a high-variance type of defense that we used to call it at Syracuse because it's like, you know what, we either give up 30 or we get a pick. Give up 30 or we uh, create a sack or something like that. And I thought that's kind of like the, the ledger that Sean McDermott was toying with, especially in that second half where, not going to lie, Easton Stick made some big boy throws. Mm -hmm. A couple out routes, a couple seam balls where he was like, hey, now, like, I'm an NFL quarterback for a reason, but unfortunately, talent is talent for a reason. And Sean McDermott kept pulling that and he couldn't pull with so much magic out of his back pocket. I mean, Taron Johnson did a good job um, in coverage. So did uh, Rasul Douglas at times. I mean, whatever blitz you wanted, Rasul Douglas coming off the perimeter, Cam Lewis blitzing from his deep safety spot. He you was never see McDermott do that. Never doing yeah, that. So right. he was literally saying, you know what, kid, I dare you. You can be right once. You might be right twice, but you're not going to be right three, four, five times in a row. So that was really, really cool to see watching the back. And I thought, I thought Stick was pretty composed. You know, with all that pressure coming at him, he was not, you know, to be honest, I thought he was more composed than Josh Allen was in this game. You know, he stuck in the pocket. He made throws. Yeah, he made a couple mistakes, um, but he didn't throw any interceptions. There was no, you know, turnovers from that point of view in this game. And, and like you said, he made a couple of, of really solid, I mean, hitting the seam a couple times to drive the Chargers into scoring range. I thought I was really impressed by that. Another thing that you did not like in this game, and it has from time to time been a problem for the Bills, is the missed tackles. Yeah, like, because last week against the Cowboys, they played with the hair on fire. Like, there were no yak potential plays, none of that good type of stuff. Against the Chargers, the Chargers are going to play a little bit harder this week because they just lost their head coach. But some of those two-yard runs became six and seven. Some of those five-yard catches became 10 and 11. And those add up, especially when you're going, to, going up against a team that's inferior. I mean, Austin Eckler... For whatever reason, I don't watch the Chargers a lot this year, but Chargers fans are completely out on him. But this week, I, I don't know why, because he played really, 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 really hard. And he, once again, had some of those one-yard plays turning to five. And I know it looks small like on the, when you're watching it, but when it's third and one and you need one yard and you turn it into five and six, that adds up every single time you're out there. So the missed tackles got better as the game went on, but that was the reason why the Chargers hung around. Yeah, Terrell Dotson and Terrell Bernard both had multiple misses on Eckler in particular, that's where I think the majority of the missed tackles were both on both sides of it. It was Eckler causing them and the linebackers missing them uh, for the most part. I thought late in this game, last 15, 20 minutes or so, secondary played as good as it played all year. You know, this is still a patchwork unit. I mean, there were multiple snaps with Cam Lewis at safety and Jordan Poyer at linebacker. And you got Rasul Douglas, who still is a short timer, you know, just showed up at midseason. And, and they had the zone on a string. When they went man or press, they were succeeding all over the place. Again, you know, we're not talking about Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the other side, but it's still NFL receivers, and I thought the Bills locked them down late in this game. Yeah, you, 
think of the Bills defense, zone coverage and all that good type of stuff. Man, that last, them final two drives, McDermott asked his DBs and said, hey, man, you're on the islands, go win. And, and they did. That's so all you're going to ask for out of your, uh, your guys out there to go win. I was very impressed with Puna Ford. Um, first game in a while. Not just, he had a sack, and really that sack was at Oliver's fault. You know, Puna had the quarterback walked into him after Oliver's pressure. But then after that, Puna had a sick spin move that got another pressure, and that generated Ed Oliver's sack. So people talk about Ed Oliver was great, and he was really good in this game. But Ed Oliver's sack was not Ed Oliver's doing. That was Puna Ford's pressure that got him a sack. He was very good beyond that. Now, I don't think the Bills use Puna a lot, you know, in terms of wanting to, like, change your rotation. Maybe if I see more games like this, I will. I, I'd, I'd think that. But Jordan Phillips is not coming back into the playoffs at earliest, second round of the playoffs. So there is still that defensive tackle spot that would be, uh, could be available even when Daquan Jones comes back. Because you could go Oliver, Daquan Jones, and then maybe settle and Puna after that. So, you know, perhaps he's given himself an opportunity at least to play into that rotation area. Because people have been wondering, why isn't he playing? I thought he was great, and so did I. The three games he played earlier this year were nothing. You know, I, I watched those three, and I said, oh, I see why the Bills aren't playing them. This game here was totally different. That spin move was ridiculous, man. <laughs> they, people are not supposed to move like that. Yeah. I ran it because usually uh, I do watch the defensive line, but I'm really locked in on the coverage assignments and all that stuff going on. But when I saw a big dude in the middle doing a 360 that fast, I was like, wait a second, what's going on? Like, what? So I had to run that back at least three, four times. That, that was a really cool play, and like you just said, it, it was a, an impressive game for him, and I know the Bills want more of that going forward. So, you know, not a super game for the Bills, and I guess we probably should have expected some of this. Shorter week, Chargers with extra rest, motivation with a new coach. They were the home team, and I was, I was surprised. There was a good amount of Bills fans. I thought, considering it's L.A., people don't care, it's the lesser L.A. team, that this would be a dominant Bills crowd. It was not. It was probably 60-40 Chargers, you know, so... There was some home field advantage there. And then the, you know, 3-0 in turnovers obviously changes every game. But, you know, not a super performance. The Bills get out of it with a win. Um, how much this week against the Patriots, we've talked about the pass game. And, and I'll go back to this to kind of shut this thing down. The fastball, we believe, is still that. Now, they've shown they have some off-speed pitches. Defense is better. Run game is better. Do you think you need to see more from the pass game this week against a defense that's probably going to make it tough? to feel confident about this team going deep into January. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you do. Because, I mean, th at the end of the day, 17 in his arm is what's going to take this team to the Super Bowl if they get there. Like, I understand, like, James Cook is a really good running back. The other ancillary pieces are stepping up. The defense is playing much, much better over the past month or so, right, compared to where they were in the middle of the season. But that passing game has to be better. It just has to be. You're going to go – I mean, we saw what the Ravens did to a 49ers offense that has been the best offense over the past – 300-something days, right? Going against defenses like that, this Dolphins defense has been really good since Jalen Ramsey has come back. Same thing with the Chiefs. Is a really, they just saw that last month. You want that passing game to at least be serviceable because it it's been broken, quite mm -hmm. frankly, and Josh Allen has made it look better than what it actually is because he's made some mm -hmm. ridiculous throws. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to count on Josh Allen having to do that to create uh, big plays because there were times this year where they were in rhythm on target offense and we were able to create those plays. Now they just always got stuffed in the red zone because of turnovers and drops. But get back to that a little bit. Find that little yin yang game between running game, explosive plays during the passing game, and they'll be cooking with something. We saw the Dorsey-level mistakes in this game. You know, penalties, there was that sequence where they go tripping holding <laughs> to end up in third and 22. And actually, Josh Allen had a throw on third and 22 and didn't see it because, you know, he's vacating the pocket a little earlier than maybe he should have or, or at least concentrating on the pressure too soon. Um, 
but that the the big plays in this game that you got out of Gabe Davis were great. But we know at this point you can't count on Gabe Davis for that every single week. So if you take those away, and we'll go back to the conversation we've had a few times, it's Stephon Diggs or a bunch of short throws, and it makes the offense hard to operate. So you know, cleaning up that pass game a little, not a lot, not a lot, a little bit, mm-hmm. smoothing out some rough edges is probably where the Bills need to go between now and January if they want to end up playing in February, which is still. As wide open as the AFC is, that's a very legitimate conversation. Yes, 100%. All right. Remember, every single week you can watch Let's Talk Ball at RogerFirst.com, on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can only listen to the podcast thing because you know how podcasts work. Next week, we will talk about the Bills and the Patriots. Shouldn't be much of a game, but might be. Might be. I mean, the Patriots is coming off a big win on the road, so they can certainly uh, make things interesting. Thanks for watching and listening. For Carl Jones, I'm Thad Brown. We'll see you next week.